When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Joey Nolfi, EW's RuPaul's Drag Race reporter. And it goes without saying that I look pretty good for a dead bitch, I think. And I'm EW's digital news director, Francis Jolie. I mean, Jillian Cedarholm. <laughs> and I'm so into voguing right now. Oh, my God. I didn't want to start off this podcast by throwing up. Um, you're, you can be you can be Jilly Jolie. How about that? I like that. Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> Jilly Jolie. Renamed. <laughs> now, um, talking about RuPaul's Drag Race for approximately 800 consecutive weeks in a row on this podcast had Jillian and I sitting on a very big secret. We're dying to be reality show contestants ourselves. So to honor the underappreciated excellence that is RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 3, which we will be talking about today, we're happy to announce that Jilly Jolie and I are taking over for Jeffrey Boyer Chapman as the objects of all Queen affections, as the newest eligible singles on The Bitchler. And we're actually broadcasting today's episode live from The Bitchler Mansion. You know, I took two months of sewing classes and have been binge watching Game of Thrones every night, but I suddenly don't feel prepared at all. That's way more sewing lessons than I think Jujubee has ever taken in her entire life. So you are winning, <laughs> Jillian. Now, before we let our first two contestants in to woo us a little later, yes, Kennedy, I'm a man, Davenport, and bedtime Beatty herself, Ben de la Creme, will join us for a recap interview. We should mention that Carly, producer Muse, will be supervising us throughout this journey of love as I recently turned 18, so I need parental guidance. Carly, do these queens have your permission to take my hand in platonic bliss? I'm sorry. I'm really busy right now. I have so many lipsticks to white out. I'm just really busy writing on these lipsticks. <laughs> I, I thought that you were going to say like, I, sorry, guys, I was too busy. I didn't come up with a response to that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to have to like re-record that part, but no, that, yes, bit landed. Thank you, Carly. Carly Producer News, <laughs> saving this podcast. Um, well, now that matters of the heart are settled and mashed like a bedtime BD banana, let's get into what I thoroughly feel is genuinely the best season of All-Stars with a lovely cast that includes Morgan McMichaels, Thor G. Thor, Milk, the late Chi Chi Devane, 
Ben de la Creme, Shangela, Kennedy Davenport, winner Trixie Mattel, and season one champion Bibi Zahara Benet, who re-entered the fold for the first time since it had evolved into the show we know today from its humble beginnings back when Bibi won. Jillian, who were you most excited to see back on All Stars 3? Because it's a really great cast. It's such a great cast with a really great mix of queens from across seasons. Um Shangela could literally pop out of a box and rejoin every single season, and I'd be thrilled. Yep, so I yep. loved getting more of her and seeing her just even more elevated. And having Shangela and Trixie, the two queens who I knew before I was even a fan of the show, on a season together really made it feel like a true all-star season to me. And I still kind of can't believe that they were on a season together. Um and I was also really excited to see Ben de la Creme, someone who was obviously great in season six, winning Snatch Game and Miss Congeniality. But that season was so stacked with talent that I think any other season, she probably would have made it to the top if not won. But that season was just like impossible to like break through. And so to see her here, just like what a true powerhouse she was, was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, Joey, what do you think... Like, what are you looking for in an all-star? Is it someone who was maybe robbed the first time around or someone who comes back and shows a lot of growth? Because I I can't decide. Um, I'm so sorry. You will have to excuse the background noise. The landscapers at the Bichler Mansion are apparently carving like a hedge to look like Trixie Mattel's borderline pussycat wig. Um, No, I, I don't necessarily think that past performance necessarily dictates what's going to be good on all stars or not. I mean, I think if you look at people who had really strong fan reaction the first time around, like milk, milk had a sort of robbed narrative and then came in an all stars three and like kind of flopped with the fans and also with the judges. So Mm. I, I don't know. I think it's just, it really depends on where they are at that specific moment in time. It, It doesn't really like bearing past seasons really don't I think have any bearing for me on who, what I'm looking for in an all-star. I just have my favorites. Mm-hmm. You know, I love my, um, my Cynthia Lee Fontaine's and my Shangela's and, you know, people don't say Max. Um, you but, know, I was thinking it. <laughs> no, no, I was not thinking it. I was not. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think they just, it, for me, it's about who is proving themselves on all-stars. So mm-hmm. that's what I look for is somebody who's going to impress me in the moment. But uh, I think some other really fun things about this season, because it it is my favorite All-Star season, we get more memes from this season than any other season, I think, whether it's regular Drag Race or not, uh, from Kennedy saying, fuck my drag, right, and calling memes, Mimi, (laughs) to to Mm -hmm. BB saying, that's the gag of the season, and raka da titi da da yeah, I'm pussy bitch, (laughs) in the girl group challenge, it's... It's just incredible. There's so much coming from the season. The shots of Kennedy doing her makeup are also the best shots, I think, of any Drag Race season ever. I would <laughs> die every time it would just cut to Kennedy doing her makeup. Yeah. I also love that at any point, no matter the tone of the conversation, whether they're talking about something serious or not, you'll always hear in the background Trixie somewhere from across the workroom screaming at something, and it just pops in and out no matter where who the camera is on. It's so great. Yes. And also, fun fact... Ali X, who is one of my favorite singers of all time, provided background vocals for the girl group challenge. And I was going back and I was listening through and you can really hear her voice come through. Uh, it's, it's really great. So, um, yeah, I know Jillian, 
you have some feelings on that? Well, I was kind of confused about the accent work on that song of why, like, <laughs> Dolly Parton had a slight Australian twang. Oh, and... not that one. Not that oh, one. Oh, not that one. No, she didn't do that one. She did okay. the, um, the, uh, the Raka Tatiti Ta Ta. Yeah. Okay. What a relief because I was really like baffled by some of these choices of like, Amy Winehouse sounding a certain way. Okay. No, it wasn't her on that one. No, it was the it was the other one. She right. just did, well, like, apologies to whoever did the song, did the musical work on the Diva Challenge, but <laughs> I had some questions. It was actually Dolly Parton, actually. Oh, oops. <laughs> well, this <laughs> I think it's All Stars Three is also interesting because this season landed two years after All Stars Two. It was the second season to roll out with the All Stars rules in effect. So the Queens had a blueprint actually to study with all-stars too and pulling lipsticks and we saw that this worked to great effect for some of the queens i think shangela who before she would eliminate anybody would give a genius speech that was clearly meant to make people believe it would be somebody else but then she would end up eliminating the person who usually deserved to go and while this worked not so well for others though like ben de la creme who was a front runner we all assumed at the time I think let the congenial pressure get to her when she chose to pull her own lipstick or at least write her name on top of Kennedy's lipstick with white out and uh, leave the competition, which was the most shocking moment, I think, in drag race history. Jillian, were you surprised by Dela's decision seeing that for the first time? I was shocked. I mean, I was also shocked that I don't know how the hell this wasn't spoiled for me watching it years after it aired, but I had no idea. I think I literally yelled, no. Um, I <laughs> It was like watching Ned Stark's execution all over again. Um, I, it was truly shocking TV moment, and I did not see it coming. I think re- like of, in all of reality TV, not just Drag Race, I think it really just was crazy. And I Still don't know if it was to be congenial, don't know if it was to manufacture a memorable moment, or if she's just that bad of a decision maker. But as sad as I was this year ago, because I was really rooting for uh, Bendela versus Shangela top two, because every time they lip synced against each other, it was performance art. Um, but it was, I think, a genius move on her part. Like, we're going to remember her for that more than if she had maybe been the runner up. Yeah, I mean, people still talk about it to this day. It's a huge deal. I mean, it's just, yeah, I I think that Dela is just a very smart person. And also, well, I mean, we'll get to the bottom of it later with with Dela herself. But I think uh, everybody at the time assumed that she was doing it to sort of come off a certain way. But I have a feeling that perhaps that might not be the case. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll get to it later. And I also love that you tried to, did you just try to inject like Star Trek into a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast? Star, I told you I've been binge watching Game of Thrones every night. Oh, Game of Thrones. And, you know, oh, I'm really, I, I just want to go back and look at the memes of this season because there is so much overlap. Like, I mean, so Arya Stark, an iconic character in Game of Thrones, like her catchphrase is not today. So like, I mm. hope to God there are a bunch of not today Arya mashed up with not today Satan memes at the time. If not, this- I'm going to be very disappointed. This names and language mean nothing to me. I, I, I don't engage with Game of Thrones culture unless it's Shangela. Uh, Winter is coming. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Layer up. That's my response to that. Uh, but in the end, <laughs> the, the show, I think, pulled a one-time only stunt that seemed to 
in some ways backfire when they brought back all the eliminated queens to vote for who should advance to the top two. And though Shangela had dominated the competition and won three challenges and really felt like she was going to take this, she is also responsible for sending several members of the jury home and only one queen, Thorgy, who was really upset that Shangela eliminated her earlier in the season, ended up voting for her to advance as part of this gag. Trixie and Kennedy advanced to the top two, and our beloved friend of the pod, Trixie Mattel, who I think is probably the most famous queen to come from this franchise, took the crown. Jillian, what are your thoughts on how they determined the top two and also Trixie as the winner? So for those keeping track of the Joey Nolfi Wikipedia, Trixie has overtaken Katya's fame from your controversial <laughs> stance last Katya episode. Was the most every famous. episode the new a new the new winner is the, your most famous queen. I um, never said that Katya was the most famous. <laughs> Whoever we're thinking about at any given time is our most famous drag queen to us. Um, this was so disappointing and anticlimactic to me that we didn't get to see Shangela perform a final number. The voting. Like, I get everyone being bitter about being voted off, and unfortunately, she had sent a lot of these queens home, Um, but I wish that there had been more fairness in, I guess, the overall competition. She's standing there in her gold pom-pom with an obvious reveal underneath that we'll just never know what was under there. Oh, Um, no, we do. She performed it. Yeah. She performed it, I think, last, or in 2019, yeah. Okay, well, send me that video the second we're done recording. Cause I oh, do you not know. want me to spoil for you what it is? Uh, what is it? Okay, tell me, spoil. It's just um, she takes it off and there's balloons underneath it and they're all filled with glitter and she pops them and the glitter goes everywhere. Oh my God, come on. We could have seen mm-hmm. that. But um, no. it, that, that against Trixie cutting her hair off and Kennedy dancing around barefoot, what a combo that could have been. Um, I rarely argue that someone was quote unquote robbed, but I think Shangela was 100% robbed, not necessarily of the crown, but at least of the opportunity to get to perform. And I think she just really earned her place in that final three. And I was really disappointed. But I think like mother, like daughter, no matter the elimination order, Alyssa and Shangela always just feel like stars who transcend the competition and make great Mm -hmm. TV. So um, I'm not as bitter as maybe Shangela has every right to be. But I I think it was still a great season and it it was fun to see it all play out. And I think that in her exit interview that I did right after, um, I I interviewed both Trixie and Shangela right after this season aired. Mm -hmm. And um, I think Shangela's, you know, it it came, I I went back and I reread it. And I think that it just comes off as, you know, like, hey, this is the game. This is the way that the game played out. Don't be hateful to Trixie because Trixie is so deserving of the victory. And she really is. I mean, everybody yeah, in, that, in that top four was. And I and I don't think necessarily that Trixie didn't deserve to win or, or is uh, any less of a winner just Mm-mm, because Shangela all. was, you know, did not get that opportunity to go to the top two. I love Trixie. So uh, and I think Trixie has represented the franchise really well. So um, but it had been. It's, it's weird because it had been a while since I saw this season. I hadn't watched it since it originally aired in 2018. And I always had just accepted that the fan narrative that All-Stars 2 is is the standard. But, but re-watching this, I actually feel that All-Stars 3 really is the best representative of what All-Stars can be and should be. There was a lot of anxiety, I think, hovering over All-Stars 2. They just, they didn't know how to vote. They were panicking. There were some tense interactions between the dolls. It seemed 
more complex and cutthroat than maybe consistently fun in terms of the competitive aspect of it. And this season was cutthroat. It was spectacular and competitive with great personality from the queens without feeling like it was maybe poisoned by the competitiveness and the anxiety of that competitiveness to the point of feeling like it had a negative tone to it. And that's not to say that All Stars 2 is just like this dark cloud of negative emotion. I just feel like I feel the Queen's anxiety when I watch All Stars 2. And when I watch All Stars 3, it feels like fun competition to me. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel about the season overall, Jillian? Do you sort of see it that way? What do you think is the best season uh, between the two? Yeah, I mean, like I said last week, I had a lot of anxiety over over All Stars too. So this really was um, a lot of fun, and I think there were some really the, the Bitchler Challenge was just really oh, so, so like that could have been so good. a spinoff series. It was yes. so great. There was just like well, we're really filming a lot it right now, actually today. Yes, yes, I forgot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I agree. I think this was a lot of a lot of fun for mm-hmm. an All Star season. One of the most fun things about this season was also julian i know that you weren't watching at the Mm -hmm. time but it was so fun watching everybody freak out and think that bb because she had already won season one that she was coming back as a mole or a spy do you remember even just maybe if you weren't invested in the fandom at that time but did you ever hear anything about that in like doing your research for all stars three did you come across that I was I no not at all. I was actually shocked because it wasn't until I rewatched <laughs> for this podcast that I, I was looking up Reddit threads to be like, oh, how did people feel about the finals and everything at the time? And I like saw that this kept coming up about me being a mole, and I was like, <laughs> what the hell is this? Like I had like of all my research before about like BB on her seasons and everything, like. <laughs> This had not come up. So do you remember how it started or how it played out in real time? Like, I couldn't tell if it was an actual theory Um, or a joke. Oh, no, it was a legitimate theory. People actually thought this. And I actually (gasps) thought it at one point. I think I did. Oh, yes. I, I, you know, I, I, um... I remember when she came because they didn't announce her as part of the cast. She wasn't mm-hmm. part of the promo and stuff. So BB wasn't announced, I think, until after the show started. Like when BB came out, that's when everybody knew BB was going to be on the show. So everybody was thinking there has to be something more to this. And I remember I got caught up in that. And I think I asked her about it because I did an interview with her pegged to her returning that day. And I think I asked her about it and I don't remember specifically what she said, but I'll have to go Mm -hmm. back and look. But yeah, I definitely. What if she was like, she was actually a mole the whole time. But then after Dela did that, they were like, well, we can't have another like insane surprise. Like, let's just (laughs) leave her in the competition. Well, that's one. If that is true, BB holds that secret close to her heart, just like she holds the secret of who she chose on her lipstick. Maybe the lipstick said, I'm the mole. Surprise, bitch. Holy shit, wait. Julian, you actually, oh my God, wait, I think you could be correct. That's, you know, we're putting that out there into the world. Yes, that is exactly what happened. That New is the best theory, theory I have ever heard for this show. Um, it's also fun to note, I should note before we break, that this episode is now available on iTunes. Um, now, Jillian, I am a greedy brat, so I'd like to compete for affection on my own. Will you consider eliminating yourself from this podcast before our interview. 
Well, I do currently have a bra filled with lipstick tubes and whiteout, but out of respect for Kristen Chenoweth, who for some reason has joined us today, I will not reveal whose lipstick I chose, but I am open to alliances. Did you hear that, Carly Producer Muse? Kristen Chenoweth is here. We need a sound effect right there. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, just, I'm just plugging in the mic. I'm so sorry, Ms. Chenoweth. I didn't know you were coming. I had to get an extra mic. All right. Well, while we do that, sit tight with us in the Bichler Mansion because we're giving the dolls of All Stars 3 their roses in our interview with Kennedy Davenport and Ben Dillacreme coming up next. Don't sashay away just yet. EW Binge Podcast will be back right after this. everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's Binge Podcast on RuPaul's Drag Race. And, you know, talking about other people engaged in a passionate competition sparked a real cutthroat edge in Jillian and I. So we've decided to revive The Bitchler. We are actually recording live from The Bitchler Mansion right now. And I think I see our first pair of contestants pulling up in their limos. Jillian, is that Ben de la Creme and Kennedy Davenport getting out of that limo? It looks like them, but crystallized. well hello dolls thank you both so much for being here um you know between fancy on all stars five and julie andrews the lip sync this season i'm sure between the two of you we have the record holders for the most difficult lip sync words ever on this podcast right now so this should be really good right (laughs) correct (laughs) correct I actually, the whole way that this is going to go is Kennedy's going to answer all your questions and I'm just going to move my lips. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's today's procedure. Oh, I wish we were recording this on video so people could see it. It's going to be quite a spectacle. Um, but since this is The Bitchler, um, do you guys know how you both plan to win us over and get your roses? Oh, God, wait, we didn't come in already having won you over? This is not what I agreed to. <laughs> okay. Wait, but I, listen, I ain't going to be big and it's the... <laughs> No, 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 no. I think it's just our natural charm. I think that, like, you know, by the end of this sentence, you'll probably, you know, we will have won you over. Yeah, I'm going to make you want me. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, that's what we want. Now, Dela, you were instructed to bring bananas for mashing in your mouth. And Kennedy, we told you to bring sunscreen so you could virtually apply half the bottle to our backs, just like you did to Jeffrey. So you brought that, right? Yes. Yeah, no, I um, I have bananas, I have uh, sausages, I have a few cucumbers. I, I'm, I'm good. Anybody, we're good on snacks. Perfect. Now, I promise we do have serious matters to discuss. I just can't resist an extra moment with Bedtime BD and Kennedy. Um, so Thank you. Let's get into the realness, because All Stars 3 was 
it was a true moment. I mean, the most important thing we need to know, though, is Kennedy, do you know how to say the word meme yet? And can you demonstrate for us? Uh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound like meme. That's the new pronunciation. <laughs> right. No, I, I actually learned on that episode. So it... Um, all stars, drag race, it's all a learning experience. So I do know what meme is mm-hmm. now and I know how to say it. Thank you. That was such a great moment. I love <laughs> Kennedy, you had so many good moments this season. Like just watch every time you were on camera, it was just magic, pure magic. I loved it. Well, so you much. just don't know you just don't know if they made what you said or, you know, that um particular scene. A, a hit until you watch the show. Like, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. You never know until you just watch the show and then the fans and everybody just make it a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there were plenty of those this season. And I think it was interesting because you all came in after seeing how dramatic All Stars 2 was. They didn't really have like a blueprint for how pulling lipsticks would work or come off in the fandom or in the game itself. So did you both, before entering the season, did you sort of study that season and come in with an individual approach that you wanted to do from day one or or how to navigate the season? Or was like that season playing in your minds like when you were you were making decisions? No, not for me, not at all. I didn't really want to, like I kept saying it from the beginning, I didn't want to play it that way. However they were playing it, I didn't want to play it that way. Um, mm-hmm. Because I truly feel like, and I still feel like this to to this day, especially with how the game goes. It really is how you play the game as a whole, whether you lose or, you know, regardless how many challenges or how, how many times you've been in the bottom and all of that. It really just doesn't matter. It's really about how you play the game and the camaraderie you have with your sisters. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with what Kennedy's saying. I really feel like, you know, I mean, that was... I don't know if you guys plan to at some point address uh, the the episode of All Stars where I left. It's it's not something people normally want to bring up, but um, oh, we thought we'd ignore it. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. But uh, yeah, no, people forget. But um, but you know, I mean, that was you know, that's what that was about for me. Is really that like Drag Race is about how what you show what you show up with, how you choose to play the game, both in terms of challenges and how you interact with people. And, um, and in the end of it, you know, winning, winning is amazing. Being crowned is, is amazing, but the real prize that anyone can have from this experience is to come in and have represented yourself in a way Mm. that you want fans to understand you. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I mean, I, like Kennedy was definitely, you know, I mean, it was no secret that I was like not super into lipstick drawing. Yeah, it was definitely something she did not want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even like doing the challenges and stuff. I would have, I remember telling her, girl, just keep doing you. I mean, if it, it, it's going to land you at the top, you just got a job to do, you know, <laughs> until she mm-hmm. just couldn't take it no more. Yeah, okay. no, Kennedy, I will say you were like an amazing, um, it was really like that. I mean, one of the best things about doing the show is getting to know queens that you don't necessarily get to like run in the same circles as or like or work with out, outside of there. And I do feel like, like Kennedy, you helped talk me down from a few ledges. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was, yes, it was, ma'am. there's that sisterhood that is 
you know, born out of going through an experience that no one else, no matter how hard they try, is ever going to truly understand. Yes. And I don't even think the hundred thousand dollars is on anybody's mind. It's just it's 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 really about that moment, the game and getting through these challenges and helping each other out. I mean, crying. (laughs) That's 90 percent of what it's about is crying. Yeah. Same for my life. Um, Dela, you on on day one, you expressed that you were feeling a lot of pressure to come off as well as you had in your previous season or better, where you were Miss Congeniality. Were, why were you so worried that you would not come off, that you might not come off as well? Did you think that had happened to anyone on a previous All-Star season? What well, was it's just concern? because no one's any one thing, you know? It's like when you, if you record any human being 18 hours out of a day and then whittle it down, you know, or two days and whittle that down to an hour, you can tell any number of stories about that person. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we all have darkness and lightness and everything in between. Well, it did. It also seemed like this was the first all-stars where the Queens had built up really strong, legitimate media careers outside the show um, in the real world. I mean, Trixie had the Viceland show and the YouTube series with Katya. Milk was in these international fashion campaigns. Shangela was, was you know, acting and, and touring all over. How, so how did that change how you both felt in the competition, if at all? Like, do you think it made it more intimidating or maybe made it feel insurmountable in a way to know that there was this sort of outside force of the entertainment industry having so much built these other queens up so much? Um, I, I really kind of feel, I don't, I don't know if I felt some type of way, but I do feel like when it came to like the totem pole, I was probably at the bottom as far as like what the girls were doing and achieving. But on my end, I was doing so much on another level. Like I'm, I'm still entertaining. I'm still booking. Mm -hmm. I'm still touring. So that's what I was doing. But like, for example, um, with Trixie, she's probably had the most going on um, out of all of us, you know. So it was kind of almost, I don't know if it was intimidating in a sense, but it was like, girl, she already got it going out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, girl, what you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think I was intimidated because the reality is that we're all kind of like at the top of our game. We have this experience at this point. And, you know, it's like uh, I had the sort of good fortune to fly under the radar at the top because all these girls were like, where have you been? You're not working. Did you retire from drag? And I was like, actually, I've done three off-Broadway solo shows toward the (laughs) United States and Europe with them. Like I wrote a, I wrote and produced and directed a play like, you know, that's been running for three years. So um, so like we all had the experience, but if your experience isn't on YouTube or a magazine cover, like the, you know what I mean? Like people assume if they don't see it, it's not, it's not there. So a lot of us that focus on live work, uh, pr- primarily, um, you know, we get to like come in and be that stealth person who's been honing their skills all along and nobody's ready for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So On episode two, we get the Diva Musical Challenge, where you all portrayed these iconic divas. Uh, Dela, you were Julie Andrews. (laughs) Kennedy, you were Janet Jackson. Uh, The person who seemed to be really struggling right off the bat was Thorgy, who seemed displeased, we'll say, uh, to get Stevie Nicks, who she said was she did not feel was a gay icon. Um, And she seemed to really be spiraling as soon as she got the assignment. Um, and said in her confessional that she was set up to fail. 
how much do you agree with the sentiment that she was projecting? Do you think that she was actually set up to fail with that character or was there something else going on? Kennedy, I'll let you take this. I'm going to lunch. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting too real. (laughs) I really think she just blew it out of proportion. I mean, we all, I mean, it's not like they just threw these characters on us. Let's be honest. You know, so it's like for you, you have to say, what can I do to make this character stand out? What can I do? And even though it's not too much, you know, Stephen Nicks did, it it, 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 there was no instructions that said you have to totally embody Stevie Nicks. And I just think she was overthinking it. As always, um, <laughs> typical Thorgy, she was overthinking the whole thing as far as, like, example, when um, Shangela did Mariah, that was a Mariah You know, she camped it up. She made it funny, you know, and she, uh, you know, she just she capitalized on a few things of Mariah and just made it hers. And I just think Thorgia was just too much in her head. She was I mean, it was just it was bad being around her when, you know, when she was in her head. I think that also, you know, there there is a thing where those those assignments are very different. We're not all given the exact same assignment with the same parameters. And like, you know, I'll say for me, Julie Andrews was a big swing and it was a thing that you either win with or go home with Uh because it was so hard. And it was like, are you going to be able to figure this out? You know, whereas something that's a little more middle of the road, uh, like Stevie Nicks is maybe not the opportunity for that, but it's also maybe like not as much of the risk for that, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that definitely mm-hmm. makes sense. And because some some people just had um, some people just had characters that were not as challenging as mine or Ben's, you mm. know. So you just had to do your very best with the character that you were given. Mm. No, I, I Kennedy, I am glad that you you mentioned Shangela's Mariah Carey because that method approach was so amusing for fans to watch. I mean, just her being a method diva on set, it was really funny. But can you guys give us an idea of what she was like on the set that day? Like how much of a diva was she purposely being or what kinds of things was she doing off camera to sort of channel Mariah Carey? <laughs> Angela lives her life as a method diva. Girl, yes. Like they knew exactly what to give her and she was hell that day. And I just, I couldn't do nothing but look at her and just shake my head and just be like, girl. Because a lot of people were like, seriously was like annoyed by her and Aww. but me i was like girl you is a fool come on here <laughs> <laughs> you know that's you know that's me with her but i mean it was something to watch mm-hmm. i mean the thing one of the things about shangela is that she's like you know some of us we all approach the thing in different ways shangela knows how to be on tv yes you know does. and mm-hmm. So a lot of things like that, she's not doing us for uh, doing it for us to like it. You know, it's like she can see what is going to wind up on screen and what people are going to respond to. And that's, uh-huh. you know, that's that's, that's the, quite the skill. 
They are the, yes, that is like the best. That, I mean, that's a master in the making, like to see her work and to just see how she can take something and just turn it into gold. And just like being, I mean, it was just magical to see, you know, because you just don't know how. And I'm like, why is she acting like that? In my head, I'm like, why is she acting like this? <laughs> like, what is she doing? And then when it all plays back, it's like, oh, okay, so you was in character the whole time. Gotcha. That's right. Okay. That's right. Right. Yeah. As soon as you so got, as soon as she walked in, she was in character. So she Late didn't tell you everything. guys. No, <laughs> no, she did not say anything about it. She just walked in late, and she was just carrying the whole time, even before we was filming, like, even before we started filming. She was in character. Jesus. Oh, that's so great! And then after the the challenge, she like she, it, it was done. Well, you know, Shangela, Shangela is not too far from Mariah Carey, okay? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, define done. Oh, okay. my gosh. <laughs> oh, I love Shangela. I love Shangela. Oh, my God. I do, too. So then we had the redemption runway, and you both had really incredible uh, looks. Kennedy, you chose one of the most iconic looks and stories in Drag mm-hmm. Race history, your crystallized chicken. Can you please <laughs> tell us more about where the initial concept came from and why do you think fans became so obsessed with it? Can, can we stop? It is not a chicken, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start there. It's a cock. Okay. That daylight, yes, there we go. Um, well, okay, let's just go back to how I got the costume, okay? Because mm-hmm. when uh, season seven came around, I really didn't have much drag. And, you know, it was I was struggling. You know, I was going a year. And, it, you know, it was just a hard time for me um, during my audition, pro- my audition process. So I was like, death becomes her. And then I knew that my drag mother had this costume. Okay, that had zippers in it and like it <laughs> that it represent like blood, you know, because uh, I had I danced with her in a talent and she wore it. So I asked her, could I have it? And she was like, yeah. And she gave it to me. And I just came up with the story because the instructions tell us to have our, you know, have a story as to how we died. Right. You know, because his death becomes her and we have to have the story as to how we died. So I would I was just like <laughs> I was just telling myself like <laughs> I was having trade one night and I decided to rob him and he had you know, he found out and he you know, he came after me and <laughs> he cut me up and you know, <laughs> I hate y'all. I hate y'all. I hate y'all. I hate every last one of y'all on here. Okay, but but what is she crystallized? What is it? Mm -hmm. Well, you know how, you know how, like, if you've been thrown in a fire, it's like, I didn't, I didn't die. I just crystallized. I turned into. (laughs) Oh, right. That. Okay. Got it. Thank you. So you get like, it's so hot that it created crystal. Yeah. Okay. That happens yeah. sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, if it, gets it so does. Hot that you start, yeah, it does. It really does. It's it's science. See, this is science on EW's binge podcast. Chemistry <laughs> yeah, with I Kennedy Davenport. I crystallized, bitch. 
<laughs> and I listen, and I'm telling you, that was my story. And I was serious as a heart attack. Because if Rue had asked me what the story was, I was going to tell her on the main stage, trust. You're going to give her a chemistry lesson. Yes. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> why, why do you think fans became so obsessed with this, this look and story? Um... <laughs> You know, of course, it goes down in history as one of the ugliest looks on the runway, which, you know, I don't give a shit. I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, I was painted out the back row. They don't say how done I was. You know, they don't say how painted I was, baby. But um, <laughs> I just think um, Untucked really just set it off for the fans because anytime me, Katya, and Ginger got together, it was a you, it was a wrap. You could hang it up. Like, mm-hmm. we literally almost peed on ourselves in Untucked, just, you know, talking shit. <laughs> so, um, I think it was Untucked that really got the fans going because they finally got the story. And, I mean, it, I think it's just the whole setup. Mm. And I, I heard that Willem bought the outfit? Yes. <laughs> So what, what is what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Hell, I it was just sitting here, and I wasn't going to wear it again, so I just put it up. I I, I originally posted it on uh, eBay, but they sucked, and so <laughs> I was like, you know, I just felt like maybe a fan would cherish it, or you know, and Willem off with the most money. So she just ended up reaching out to you. Yep. Because she reached out to me for the redemption first, because I put that up for sale first. And then she was like, I want the other one. And she made me an offer and I took it. That's great. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Now, Shut um, up. Now, the next year will be in the Whitney. <laughs> yeah, someday, someday. Okay. Now, um, now uh, shortly after this, there was... Um, you know, Thorgy was in the bottom and Thorgy brought up being open to alliances in the elimination deliberation with Shangela and you, Dela. Um, so were there unspoken alliances that nobody has ever talked about before that we didn't see on camera that was like communicated between all of you? I think there's bonds and friendships that naturally happen on set and before mm-hmm. filming because at this, right, like one of the big differences with All Stars is that many of us have been working together yeah. So I think that exists, but in my mind, there was like there were, or to my knowledge, there were no like formal alliances. Like nobody okay. went in with that intent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True. Um, I never saw it that way, Ben. That is so true. Because I mean, I was really, really close to Chi-Chi, and mm. I mean, I think I worked the hardest to try to keep her there. And had had yeah. it been in my hands, I don't just I don't, I just didn't see myself sending her home. I don't I don't care how bad she did. I just didn't see myself doing it. I just couldn't. I, you know, um, probably same with Shangela. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's bad to say, but they did it on All Stars too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you just, I mean, it's hard. So I'm like, I could understand where Ben was mentally and everything because yeah especially when you just have a genuine care for everybody and you know everybody's story and you know everybody that's in this needs this at this mm-hmm. point. So I don't think, no, I know I didn't talk to anybody and I don't think nobody else really talked to anybody. It was just 
the relationship that was already established. Like yeah. him, BB and I are drag related, you know, her mm-hmm. drag mom mm-hmm. and my drag mom are sisters. Right. So that makes us cousins. So it's like, girl, you family, you're not going nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, because I mean, it is it's a game, but it's also, you know, it's a game that is bringing in the outside real world into this game. So like, I mean, those things are that makes sense that it's naturally going to involve that even if it's unspoken. But this speaking of natural beauty, um, this episode was the was the bitchler. The next episode was the bitchler challenge. Um, That amazing challenge that is still one of my favorites in all of Drag Race history. Um, So I want to know for both of you. Who was there anybody in the real world who inspired your characters? Um, I mean, honestly, like every like drunk bachelorette slash girls night out, like straight suburban lady who's ever come to a drag show ever in her entire life. Yeah. With a bunch of money, with a bunch of money. You just gave me, you just waste money, sister. <laughs> you know, like I like uh, most of my shows are like narrative, right? So it's mm-hmm. like it's like 70 minutes of like telling a story. And I will get these ladies in there who like think that they are at like the like the most rock bottomless mimosa brunch <laughs> and it is like oh my god lady i get yeah. this uh, there's there's a place out there for you but it's a chili's yeah, yeah. it's not at a drag show oh, yes. oh, for real girl for real um for me uh oh i i mean a lot of inspiration i pull from i mean ghetto girls banshee girls um you know project fish you know uh, <laughs> uh, hood fish that <laughs> just you know they just like to party. I was a party girl, and the one thing that I connected to was drinking. You know, when you when we when the girls party, they like to drink, but sometimes mm-hmm. the girls get a little too full. And oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> so I I still wish they would just release the whole ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Because it was really, really funny. Like the producers and the, the producers and everybody, the cameramen, they were like, you could just hear everybody laughing. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, I wish they would just release the unedited 10 minute version that we both had because we both turned it. I was, you know, I was like, <laughs> I did good, but Ben did good too. We, we were two of the best. Do you remember anything specifically that was in those 10 minutes that you wish people would see? Yes. Um, Ben, do you remember when I the first when I first started saying it was hot and I started messing with the bushes? Oh, I, I, had, I, I had walked away and I was and I was like, what is this? Oh, that's it is right. Yeah, oh I'm God. like, what is this? Is this the dust on the I was like, oh, I had went completely in, <laughs> all in the back and everything before I passed out. So I had I had clocked in. And I really went in with the improv. Uh-huh. And then that's when I passed out and got back up and said I was a man. I'm a man. <laughs> Kenny, Kennedy, Kennedy really did. Like, that full 10 minutes was laugh out loud hilarious. Like, that, and because, you know, they obviously condense it. But they make you do 10 minutes. And that is hard. Yes, is you have hard. 10 minutes of 10 minutes of improvisation. That's it. We only had, what, um... Our characters and a small description, like I was, uh, my character was the party girl, and that's it. They told us we're going to get out the car and all of that. So I just channeled like 
ghetto fish that don't have no 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 home training, ain't never seen no mansion, ain't never been anywhere. You know, I'm like, oh, we here, oh, oh, we he better be cute. You know, all of that, all of that. Mm. I mean, I had such a wonderful time, and then it was it was really like a a redemption for me at that point because you know that Janet sucked so much, and (laughs) and so I really had to make up for it. It was a great challenge. It really was. Definitely did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, fun. And, and listeners, I think you know what you have to do. Start a petition to release the bitchler cut. Yeah. We need to see it. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Please. <laughs> please, please do that. <laughs> yes. And and because I loved beans and I love beans too. And oh, I Dayless even, is I, so good. Yeah, and I, I even helped um BB, you know, because one thing you have to do, you have to know how to feed off of your person, mm-hmm. even if they sucking, you know what I'm saying? But Ben has such a big character, is such a big character, you know, it was so much that BB could have done, but it was like, girl, good luck. But I liked I like a challenge, you know. Um mm-hmm. Aja, Aja was no help. But I'm just saying if I'm paired up <laughs> like <laughs> she wasn't girl. But <laughs> um <laughs> if I'm paired up with like someone like Ben or even when I was paired up with uh Ginger in season seven, I love that type of help. It's um mm-hmm. with snatch game and stuff, you just you have that help to you um, know, you know, to keep you creative and keep you on your feet. With the right partner, it's like a tennis match, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> You're sure right. Except <laughs> for Snatch Game, because, girl, I couldn't keep up with you, honey. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Great. That was, it was the a, hardest Snatch Game ever. It, it it looked very difficult, but it was... In I my mean, life. It's, a, it, it, it's amusing. But it is an you, amusing you've both You've both proven yourself to be masters of the snatch game though mm-hmm. so um but we do want to take a moment to to talk about chi chi who we very sadly lost last year it was so great to get to watch her again on this season she had just such a sweet presence and it was heartbreaking to see her struggle with comparing herself to other girls and not feeling like her her looks were up to par on all stars Kennedy, you've spoken about your your bond off the show with Chi-Chi, and she spoke about it on the show, feeling like you had a mother-daughter connection. Um, can you share with us a little more about what it was like going through this experience with her and what you'll remember most about her? Um, on All Stars, uh, <laughs> let's just let's just say that she was not ready, okay? And that's yeah. that's the one thing that I was really frustrated with her about because she didn't really take it seriously. Like we were on tour before we went on to All Stars, and she just she wasn't ready. Like she just threw yeah. stuff in the bag and got this little thing here and that little thing there made, but she didn't really take the episode serious enough to like really prepare like everybody else did. So of course she felt some type of way and she should have and you know but I was there to like oh well girl you here shake it off and you know mm-hmm. I was in every challenge I was helping her every inch of the way and our relationship just blossomed even before uh all stars and you know I, I was just I just want to be there for I, I think I was there for everybody um on the show. And that was my whole intent was to really show that I have, you know, 
Family is everything to me, and all of the girls mean something to me. So, mm-hmm. and that's how I played. So, I mean, me and Chi Chi, I mean, you know, it's hard to find somebody that's really, really genuine. Like you, our, our real friend circle are small. Everybody have a small circle of real, true friends. And she was one of those that was in my circle and just a sweet spirit to be around because mm-hmm. you know when somebody is real, when they don't mind speaking their mind and it really and it don't even have to be hurting your feelings, but you always need to have somebody around you that's going to tell you the truth and just not going to bullshit you, you yeah. know, and, and not show you, not, I want to, I want people around me that's going to show me who they really are. Mm-hmm. You know, that way I can enjoy them, you know. But, I mean, she was just a joy. Yeah, She was well, a joy, and she really loved, she really loved her fans. She was very grateful, and she always put everybody before her. Always. Yeah. Well, we're very, very, very sorry for the loss. I know that it was, it was rough on all of you, um, but particularly you, Kennedy, because you were so close to her. So we're very sorry for the loss. Um, I know everybody misses her a lot. And there's, there's no way to artfully, I guess, transition from that. Um, we just pay tribute to Chi-Chi and remember her and love her always. But um, to get back to the season, um, <clears throat> the Snatch Game episode, which we were talking about, it was a delight, but it did begin on a strange note, um, I think, with Shangela discovering that Trixie had placed a note from Thorgy that said some shady things about Shangela onto her station wall. Um, Trixie looked genuinely gagged and upset about that. But was Shangela like that? That was just an organic moment. Like Shangela just was walking by the station and saw it because it seems like the workstations are pretty open and you can you can see things pretty clearly. I am going to, (laughs) I'm going to venture to say that that moment was not entirely dissimilar from Shangela prepping for Mariah. Mm, Like I said, Shangela (laughs) knows how to be on reality TV and that's not a bad thing. That's what we were on reality TV. So that's not to place a value judgment on it, but you know, Trixie has put it this way and I think it's a good way to say it, but Shangela found her light found camera A, pointed to the note and said, what's that? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, w- uh, <clears throat> one of the girls brought it to her attention. That's oh, how okay. that happened. That that It happened like that because um, uh, Shangela really was oblivious to the note. Um, so, I, and I believe it was Chi-Chi. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think Chi-Chi, the one that like showed her, <laughs> what was on the wall and I was very pissed about it myself. Um, Yo, no, yes, I was mad. Um, You were mad, I I remember, yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like Mm -hmm. that kind of, I don't like that kind of um, activity going on and that Mm -hmm. really rubbed me the wrong way. But luckily, see, so, you know, God works in mysterious ways. So I wasn't over there doing that conversation because if I was, it would have been a whole different story. It would have been different, very different. It would, yeah. <laughs> it would have been a way different story because I would have went clean off. Oh but my it God. was very much so unnecessary. And, you know, the, I say this to this day, I and I truly believe Trixie knew exactly what she was doing when she put it up there. She did. So mm-hmm. it was just a bad call and good TV. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and I, you know, and I just want to say that you know, despite the fact that I do think Shangela is good at figuring out how to like make those moments work for TV, yes. like that's not in defense of the content of the right. depth or anything right. like yeah. that. Oh right. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so then the eliminated queens return, including the writer of the note. Um, but very, um, Gayla, I you like that and- you're acting like we don't know who it was. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll never tell. Um, yeah. But Dela, you and Morgan clashed over you eliminating her previously because you wanted to preserve the interests of the group after she said she'd vote for the strongest competitor to leave. How much did the interaction you had with her when she returned shake you in that moment and change your perspective on the competition and what was going through your mind? Because you, it seemed to really rattle you. Yeah, you know, I mean, it did in the way that, you know, Morgan and I have known each other. Like, we've, we haven't been like, you know, we're much closer now after the show. I mean, that, like, what happened with us was, was a bonding experience in the end. But, um, Morgan burns hot. She's fiery, you know, like mm-hmm. she comes into things like that. I'm not like that. I, I have a different way of kind of reacting and approaching. But to me, it's like, that's where I'm like, I I want the focus to be on our artistry. We're all amazing artists with a lot to offer and show the world. And so, I mean, for me, that was like, that was what I was like snapping about, you know, Mm -hmm. that I was just like, Oh my God, when are we going to get rid of these distractions? Right. And focus on the work, you know? Yeah. That's when you clocked out sister. uh Uh-huh. I was like, okay. She clocked clean out. Yeah, it's clear. I mean, you know, you can see a change in the energy, I think, in the the room. And it looks like a very genuine switch in energy. And it brings us to the most famous moment, or one of the most famous moments, of course, in Drag Race history, Dela eliminating yourself. Um, So can you walk us through the process of when you first sort of got the inkling to do that? Um, what planted that seed and going from the idea to actually pulling it off, like every step from beginning to finish. Yeah, it was weird because it was sort of a meandering path. You know, it wasn't like a, there was like, you know, sometimes people are like, did you plan that all along? Like, you know, and I, I did not, you know, yeah. it was, um, as you can see on the season, I am somebody who labors over every decision. I'm a quintessential yeah. Libra. I need to like, thoroughly consider everyone's view on a topic, like to a fault, you know? Oh, she is um, so true. And it's so it's, true. It's, yeah. But it's rare that there's a moment where I just like things feel clear to me and I know what I need to do and what I want to do. And I'm not conflicted about it. And this kind of happened in that way where there were all these little things that happened and it sounds so little and minor, but like day one, I see Thorgy painting her nails with whiteout. That's where the whiteout came from was mm-hmm. there's no whiteout on set. I knew Thorgy had it in her bag because she paints her nails with whiteout, which is okay. you know, whatever. I don't know. She's a garbage person. And then, <laughs> so, uh, then there was a joke that Trixie and I kept making with each other about how we wanted to cross out whatever name on the lipstick and present it and have RuPaul or Michelle's name on it. Like that was just like a running behind the scenes gag for us. So these like little things like adding up to that. And then it was, I was so conflicted before I even said yes to going on the show because mm. of this format. Like I, yeah. I said, I said, no, thank you quite a few times. And I finally was like, all right, there's not a perfect path 
here because if I don't do this, I'm missing out on a lot of things I love. I'm missing out on being part of something I really love a lot of things about, but I'm also compromising something. And then after all these wins and high placements, which I never expected, I thoroughly did not go in expecting that. Um, there was this moment where I was like, oh, okay, I've, I've really established myself. People do see me as a front runner. I've broken some records. You know, these things have happened. Like if I decide that I am not going to play by these rules, no one is going to be able to see, say like she gave up because the competition, she couldn't do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was like kind of this perfect thing where in this moment, I kind of, was fed up with the the conflict generating with with that moment with Morgan. I saw that like I'd actually already done what I needed to do. And then these little moments clicked into place like, oh, this joke about the whiteout. Wait, we have whiteout. I can ask Thorgy because she's back this episode. There were like mm-hmm. these weird things that clicked in, right? Like yeah. I couldn't have gotten it on a different episode because she wasn't in the room. Right. So <laughs> it it felt like fate, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it, it was it was a fast decision. It happened. Mm-hmm. It brewed slowly with a lot of elements, but the actual decision was fast. I was more confident than I normally am in decision making. <laughs> and uh, I was afraid they'd stop me, but they didn't. <laughs> so, so you were determined. You never considered throwing the lip sync to avoid the decision. It was at that point decided. No, I never considered that. I mean, how I for I will say I am shocked I won that lip sync, not for lack of trying, but okay. you know, like that I, that was a hard song for me, yeah. and BB did kill it. But um, but how embarrassing would it have been if I'd made this like grand gesture and then lost and been like, <laughs> well, that was my big idea, you know? It's like it's not a bold <laughs> statement unless you follow through. Well, what would you have done if you had lost that that lip sync? Were you do you think you would have done it the next week? Who knows? I mean, probably not, you know, because it was a thing that was relevant to the moment. I don't know. Maybe I would have. But, you know, I don't I don't dwell on pasts that don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real it was a real moment for me, too. I was I was boohoo crying over there, honey, because (laughs) I had that, you know, you know, when it's your time to go home. And that was really my time to go home. You know, had she had she not uh, went home, I do believe I probably would have went home that episode and like people really think that like some of that stuff is made up this was a real moment on stage everybody's gagged Mm -hmm. i'm crying profusely and it was real yeah it was so real for me it was really the thing that i the like the end product of this long story is that what i got to do is something you never get to do in life which is have it both ways. Mm-hmm. I thought I had to make a choice. And instead yeah. I got to like show my skills and say, okay, I've shown that I can play your game and I can play it well, but I do not agree to your terms. And exactly. that's a rare power to be able to have. Right. So right. you take it when you can get it. It's a really, really shocking moment. I think especially for like the judges, they, they look genuinely gagged as well. So you said that nobody tried to stop you when, when they saw you doing this. Um, but did you have a chance to talk to like Rue or Michelle about it after or since then? Have you, have you spoken to them about it? Well, Michelle and I do like, we, you know, we've been friendly for, for a long time because we've toured together and all the rest of it. So I don't Mm -hmm. know what Rue's response would be. Um, I, some people interpret her facial expressions as pissed. Some 
as like, you know, not that is was not my interpretation. Yeah. You know, my hope is that she understands that she is one of the pivotal people in my life that taught me that you don't have to obey anybody else's rules. Mm-hmm. And yes. she was an inspiration in the way that mm-hmm. I live my life. Yeah. But I can tell you this, at that moment, she was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> M- mainly because you can tell, probably not so much as the viewers, but in the moment, how she is during the challenges when she come around and talk to us. She likes somebody who is competitive. Mm-hmm. She likes somebody that's going to give it to you straight. And if I got to knock my friend over to get up there, I will do it. Yeah, That's what she thrives on. So it's almost like I didn't see it as, oh, but she just, you know, she just copped out. You know, she done gave up, you know. But I do. I mean, she was not well that uh, yeah. being with home because it just took uh-huh. a turn it took a uh, it took a turn and it's like okay well now we, we gotta adjust and you know keep it mm-hmm. going but yeah. she did not if Ben was winning the competition then she should have stayed in and won mm-hmm. well I mean the, the reaction it doesn't it doesn't necessarily read like when I look at Rue's reaction I don't see like livid anger or pissed I see shock and I think that yeah, that's was- understandable you know like it's it's something that is you don't see coming yeah yeah um and to this day i mean miss bb refuses to reveal who she picked to Mm -hmm. come back or leave do you do you guys appreciate that out of respect for me (laughs) yes out of respect um so out of respect for bb we're gonna ask the question to you do you know who she picked and what did she actually do with the lipstick was she trying to hide it from everybody i have no i mean i wasn't there for when she was when she was talking about, but I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still don't know. Yeah, Kennedy, what was she doing with the with the lipstick? Did she hide? Like, did you see her actually take the lipstick and like like did do something with it? it? No, we don't know. Oh my god, that is so crazy. Now I'm starting to think she whited it out. Yeah, I think I think she chose Jayla. She used some barred some of that white out. That's why it's out of respect to you. But is there is there anyone out there who knows? Like, have you heard rumblings of of anyone that's shared that they've seen this lipstick? Uh, she couldn't have, she couldn't hide it from the producer or whoever was on that particular camera. Mm-hmm. So I just I think they just respected her wishes to just not to, and not disclose it. Well, everyone has a price. Um, <laughs> so putting that out there as well. We're starting um, a GoFundMe. I couldn't go believe it, girl. I couldn't believe it. Just say it was me, girl, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kennedy, I think you also, after this, you brought up a very poignant message on the following episode. You talked about what you were saying was a second thought queen being at meet and greets and people sort of not running up to you for a picture. And this was before All Stars. And Asia O'Hara actually recently opened up about feeling this way in the fandom too recently. Mm-hmm. So is there a particular fan interaction that you remember that first made you start feeling that way or, or were there particular things that were happening to you or was it more general? Um, it really it really didn't start happening until I started doing the tours like with Work the World and uh, Divas of Drag uh, that Mimi um, first uh, produced <clears throat> because you have all of these girls who are more popular than you, quote unquote. Um, and like I was saying, like it, it's not a bitter moment. 
it's almost like an it's just like an awakening um and and it don't always it's not it doesn't always be a good awakening and then we are forced to put these babies my call them, you know the babies the fans in positions to where they have to choose you know what i'm saying so i never i never like blame the fans or anything. I just blame the situation because we have a group uh, meet and greet and we all are put in different sections and they only give them, what, an hour? We only have like 30 minutes to an hour. So they go to the one that they like the most or, you know, that they feel closest to or had uh, could relate to the most from the show. So I've just I, I was always put in that position. And I just the, the thing that really irritated me was like, OK, they'll be like five minutes or um it's a wrap or, you know, that's it. Thank you, guys. And they'll just start. Then they'll flock to me. You know, or I see mm. I literally be standing there watching them in these long lines that they never get to see one of the girls. And then then they come over here, you know, mm. Mm. to me. So it was it, it was definitely it, it's the truth. You know, I got some backlash from it because, you know, people thought I was feeling a certain type of way or mm-hmm. anything, or stuff, um, looking for sympathy or stuff like that. I'm used to the business, mm-hmm. you know, so it was never anything about that, but I was just speaking my truth. Yeah, you 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 seem very grounded in your perspective, Kennedy, and that's one of the things that I really, you know, respect and appreciate about you, and I think it was really important that you shared that. Did Did you feel after you shared that and after All Stars three, that that changed for you after this this season aired. Um, I definitely got many many messages, um, many many messages, and a lot of them start with "You'll always be my first thought," you know, and a lot of people promising that they will come and see me first, you know. So um, it was, um, I think it was just an eye opener for the fans. Because they don't realize how they treat us, right. you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they be so in the moment that they just forget that we're human, too. And we have mm-hmm. feelings as well. Yeah. So I think it's just gave them an eye opener to, you know, kind of um, pay more attention on what you do at these meet and greets and how you do it, because the, um, the things that Asia was saying, I've experienced too. I mean, I was standing next, um, you know, I was standing next to Latrice and they would tell me, oh, I just want a picture with Latrice. Mm. Okay. <laughs> you wow. know, um, and even when I work with like the local queens within the city, I would not have a meet and greet without them. And I would Good. not take a picture. I would not take a picture without them. So we're in this thing together and we're all going to take a picture. You know, no, you cannot have one by yourself, sweetheart, but we can all take a picture together. You know, I just don't like that. I don't like the situation. It just internally makes me feel a certain type of way. And it just shouldn't be that way. Yeah. No, that's so important, Kennedy. I'm glad that you that you do that. And you're actually working to change that, that mentality. I love that. Getting back to the season, Morgan comes back. And is eliminated again the following episode. We and then we move on to the finale, which 
Kennedy, it was so great to see you there. Um, and then Trixie, Shangela, and BB, you guys all perform what has become one of the most popular songs in the fandom, uh, Kitty Girl, in a live musical number shot in one take in the studio. Uh, the Eliminated Queens also came back as a jury to decide the top two. Uh, Dela, did you ever consider like not coming back for that performance since you self-eliminated? Um, you know, I mean, you're in a contract, you know, you had to come yeah. back. Yeah. I said, okay, but I'm going to abstain from voting. It was, I mean, it was very dramatic. I believe I walked off set. Um, yeah, she was, she was not having it. She I was, was like, bitch, what's the fuck? What was the purpose of me leaving? I got to come back. No, yeah, I want to go home. God. Yeah, wow. she wanted to go home. My well, and it wasn't just it. wanted to go home. I was like, this shouldn't be up to me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want these girls' fates in my hand, you yeah. know? So then we get to the part where you had to plead your case in front of the jury of your eliminated peers. Dela, mm-hmm. what was the atmosphere like in the room after Kennedy's speech, which seemed to really resonate with the group? And um, what was the atmosphere like after the the rest of the queens? And what was the deliberation like? Yeah, you know, I mean, I I cannot speak for everybody because I've tried to do that before and it didn't work out. Um, but I uh, think that for me, you know, and this, I'm not faulting anybody because we all have our, our like speeches prepared for the runway to talk to the judges, right? Like our big grand, like this is why mm-hmm. this should happen. But man, with like the jury ending and just everything that we'd all gone through, Kennedy and Trixie, for me, were the people who talked to me like my sisters who I'd been in a room with for a, a month and a half or whatever mm-hmm. it was, you know, like, yeah. and that's one approach. And another approach is like delivering your speech that you had prepared. And, but the personal approach is the one that resonated with me. And I think that's true for quite a few of the other girls, you know, like within discussion, that seemed like a pretty, um, like a pretty common assessment of Mm -hmm. how people were feeling. Okay. Well, I think there was also, in terms of the chatter that was going on in the fandom at the time, I think that there was a disconnect maybe between what the fans were feeling and what the cast was feeling since it was surprised a lot of people that Shangela did not make it into the top two. They, they, a lot of people assumed that Shangela would be there. Um, So Dela, from being in that room with the Queens determining is there something that you feel like in the deliberations that you could glean from it as to why people didn't vote for Shangela? Was there like maybe something in particular that, that Shangela said in her speech that, that didn't go over well with the group? I mean, honestly, I, I, I don't remember the specifics. Mm It's, it's, it's an intense moment. You know, I mean, obviously so many people had so many things to say about all of our decisions and a lot of like anger and how dare you and, and all of it. And, um, you know, the, the reality is we, we came there to, like I said, to be drag artists, not to like judge a competition. And Mm -hmm. like, ultimately that that's, not a position that any of us were prepared for. So like, you know, why hold us to the standard of, of that, you know? Um, I don't know. That's like a meandering answer to your question, but that's how I feel about it is it's just kind of, you know, I was like, I don't know, I'm doing my best, but like, why is this up to me? You know? No, I think that makes sense because it's not like, like you're saying, you don't really have like this sort of blueprint or intention going in from the beginning to do this. So deciding something in the moment is obviously 
you're going to have different opinions from somebody who's watching it, you know, a year after it was filmed and, and yeah. doesn't have all the context that you do. So, so no, that, I don't think that was a meandering answer. I think it makes sense. Um, so the last thing that we want to ask is, you know, Trixie emerges victorious um, after Kennedy and Trixie are declared the top two. And uh, Kennedy, Trixie has since said that your relationship uh, I don't recall her saying anything negative, but I believe she said that you guys aren't maybe as close as you were at, at when the season filmed. So what what happened there? Is there is there something specific that happened between you two? No, it was more it was more personal with me. Long story short, I just felt like um, the relationship that we that we built on set and even off off screen um, telephone calls. Um, you know, just us developing a relationship um, that we didn't get to develop in season seven. Um, I just it was a it was personal for me because mm-hmm. I just felt like some things that were said didn't really have to be said in confessions. Yeah. And um, and like I told her and actually I just texted her yesterday and from I haven't I hadn't even talked to her since she won. So yesterday was our first um, time ever having a conversation because, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a, I don't, a person that don't hold grudges. I just needed my time to just grow up and just be like, and just understand everybody. Every friend is not going to be uh, and respond and act the same. Mm-hmm. And just because I felt like she should have did something a certain way, you know, doesn't mean that I, everybody should be thinking the way I think. Mm-hmm. So it really, it was just personal for me because I yeah. personally felt like if this is my friend, then I just felt like my friend should at least give me a heads up that she was wearing me out in the confessionals. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, because I'm like, and I was trying to explain to her, you just have to understand that I'm having a good run. You know, we're watching the show. I'm having a good run. Nobody's, you know, you know, like drag race is different. We talk about everybody, everybody, you know, but it was like a punchline. It was like I was her punchline every time the confessionals hit. It was like a little jab. So as a friend, I just felt a little betrayed. I felt a little, you know, it was a little two-facedness involved. And I just didn't see anything genuine from her from that point on. You know, so it, that's what kind of happened. And since then, you know, I've really just tried to clear it up because people think I was just bitter because she won. Now, the baby, I've been competing since I was four. Yeah. So it's I can never just, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the type of person to be bitter. I'm happy for her mm-hmm. of, and all her successes. Yeah. Um, it was just a moment that turned from hurt to anger. And I just needed my space. Mm-hmm. And she respected that. Did you hear back from her yesterday? Do you feel like there's some resolution now? Oh, yes, it's definitely resolution. Uh, We had a a beautiful conversation and we both missed each other, you know, because we had a great relationship. And I just felt like it was just thrown away at that time. That's just how I felt, you know, because I do hold our relationships true. I hold it to my heart. I cherish them because, you know, we go through 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 hard times together. We went through. I mean, this competition is not easy, especially for drag race. 
um, all sources are a bit easy because we we go through it with our girlfriends now. We go through it with our drag race sisters now. But to go on a competition and you don't know anybody and then you build these relationships with these people and they become, for me, family is everything. So you are a part of my chosen family. And I just, me, I just expect girls to act a certain way. and, and But, you know, that, that's just how I am, you know, and everybody's not that way. Well, I think we wish the best for that relationship and that you guys can continue to um, work to repair it. I think that that's great that you guys had a really beautiful conversation. And I think that Jillian and I now have enough information to make our bitchler decision um, on who is getting the rose. Um, Jillian, are we ready to declare a winner? You know, this is the easiest choice that I've had to make this entire podcast. Um, and, you know, we're all going home. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. We're tired. Oh, We're I all thought you was about to say milk. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I. You know what? Everybody wins on EW's version of the Bitchler. Um, you both win our hearts every time. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, but we are going to steal the Bitchler limo that dropped you both off. Just so you know, that's how we're getting out of here. So you guys have to find your own way home. Ooh, I hope um, Angina's right. behind the wheel. Yeah, Angina with a van. Um, well, thanks to you both. We cannot wait to see what you guys continue to do outside the world of Drag Race. You're both just excellence personified. So thank you again. Thank, thank you. Thank you so thank much, you so much for having me. I had of course. a time. Great. Well, Jillian, Bedtime, BD, and Kennedy got their metaphorical roses, but what did we get? We're closing out this episode in the back of the Bitchler limo. Angina is coincidentally once again our driver. As they say, there's no traffic on the highway to love when it comes to our platonic bond. Will you share the ultimate prize with me, Jillian? A can of Shangela's Hallelulus? Ah, oh, Jesus. Gross. <laughs> I should see your responses coming from a mile away, and I never do. (laughs) Carly, producer Muse, do you approve of this storybook ending for both of us? I mean, I wanted a storybook ending, but fuck my drag, right? (laughs) You're getting the the Uber behind us. Um, So, yeah, I'm sorry you don't get to ride. Much like Shangela, I have been robbed. A lot of emotion for safe. That's a lot of it. Yeah, like Jillian, what were you going to say? It's a lot of emotion for being producer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, delicious, as always. Thank you to Kennedy Davenport and Ben DeLaCreme for joining us today. Stay tuned as we truck on into the hearts of the dolls of All Stars 4 next week. Don't forget, once again, this episode is now available on iTunes. Until next time, night night. Stevie Nicks is a gay icon. Fierce. Fierce. Fierce, 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 weather, fierce, ooh, fierce, this weather, ooh, this weather, fierce, this weather, cloudy weather, ooh, fierce, this weather, ooh, this weather, fierce, this weather, ooh, cloudy weather, ooh.